You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and tonight we're being very organic and healthy thanks to two Sineads, one from Fit for Life and the other from the Organic College Interim Collar. Then maybe we won't be so good when we hear how our new resident reviewer Rachel Keeley got on when she visited the award-winning restaurant 1826 Adair. I'll be sharing my chat with food stylist and chef Johan van der Merve, who I met at Taste of Dublin when I called to see an exhibition entitled The Bite Project. Geraldine will be out and about in County Kerry. So let me tell you how to get in touch with the show. You can email me s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, which is short for organisation. Back to the show and as promised last week, nutritionist Sinead Dundon from Fit for Life will be back. Last week Sinead was talking about diet and nutrition when trying to get pregnant and this week she's dispensing advice about what you should and maybe shouldn't be eating when you're expecting. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So congratulations to the woman. She's actually uh, pregnant again too. So again, it's important to make sure that she's eating well. People, when they're pregnant, the the idea to eat for two, but no, it's actually eating again, as I said before, the highest uh, quality food uh, that's within your budget. But it's uh, important to eat nutrient-dense foods. A lot of what we eat at the moment is calorie-dense, so it's nutrient-dense to give the best possible uh, start to the child as well too. When you're pregnant, some of the nutrients that are important to eat would be your vitamin B1, B2, vitamin C, K, choline, uh, vitamin D, folic acid, calcium, iron and phosphorus. So some of these um, foods that you would find, B1 is found in asparagus, beef, brewer's yeast, lamb, legumes, which are your peas, your beans, uh, your liver, nuts, pork, rye, spirulina uh, and whole grains. Uh, your B2 is also essential, uh, that's riboflavin. That's found in almonds, asparagus, avocados, barley grass, beans, currants, which are out at the moment, uh, eggs, milk and dairy produce, uh, organ meats, which would include your liver, uh, sprouts, uh, whole grain cereals and your yeast and broccoli. Other nutrients which are essential are vitamin C, which is important for collagen, for the growth, and for vitamin C for transporting iron around the body. Uh, Aloe vera is an important source, especially for A blood type. Uh, That's the juice you can drink. Black currants are important, full of fantastic vitamin C. They're just ripening at the moment. Broccoli, Brussels sprouts, fresh citrus fruits, guava, parsley, pawpaw, peppers, uh, red and yellow, uh, pineapple, potatoes, raw cabbage or sauerkraut, which is also a fantastic source of uh, um, uh, probiotics, which the gut needs as well too. Rose hips, strawberries, sweet potato and tomatoes. Vitamin K is also important and that helps with blood clotting so that the the body is doing its essential processes. It's created a lot by bacteria in the gut so it's important that your tummies have the good gut bacteria, it's another essential nutrient uh, that's also created by uh, the gut bacteria. It's also found in asparagus, broccoli, cabbage, camembert cheese, eggs, kale, kelp, lettuce, liver, oats, pork, soybeans, beef liver and spinach. 
Another essential nutrient is choline, uh, which would be found in uh, your soy less than as phosphatidylcholine and also in beetroots. It has liver, so it's part of detoxification or clearing out things, uh, waste pro- products from the system, and that's essential for helping with uh, the mother to remove things that shouldn't be in the system and clearing out. Another essential nutrient, which hopefully we're getting a lot of at the moment with the gorgeous sun, uh, is uh, fish oils, egg yolk, milk, sprouted seeds and uh, you know making sure that we're getting uh, fish oils that would have some of them would have uh, vitamin D in it um, your, your oily fish like your salmon or your mackerel um, but some fish oils don't actually so just read the label and see if you're getting vitamin D in that as well too uh, another essential nutrient would be your folic acid and a lot of people supplement with your folic acid as well but it's also available in different sources of food so from your barley beans eggs green leafy vegetables, lentils, liver, well-cooked, and your sprouts, your soybeans, yeast. And uh, also for building good, healthy, strong bones would be your calcium. So that's important. And it's available from your almonds, your sesame seeds, your broccoli, your blackcurrants, uh, your buckwheat, your dairy, uh, your egg yolks. Again, your green leafy vegetables important for that. Molasses is also another source of calcium, which has also got chromium in it, which helps with uh, cravings that people have as well, too, and helps to control that. Calcium is also found in the bones of sardines, so that's important in turnip. Iron, a lot of people get their iron checked when they're pregnant because uh, anemia can be another problem as well too and can also link in with thyroid issues as well too. Um, So uh, iron is found in meats, but also almonds, apricots, avocados, parsley, sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds. Phosphorus then or phosphate is the last one and that would uh, be found in beef, your cashew nuts, your chicken and... um, you're also there. That's fantastic for uh, making energy. So it's also what we need and for, for any of the DNA breakdown or creating new cells would be phosphates so as part of the energy uh, processes needs phosphates. Well, that's a fairly extensive and comprehensive list there. And there's a couple of them kind of bounce out for me. The first one would be folic acid, because yeah. I think that's one that the midwives and the GPs always bring up to the to the pregnant woman. Why is folic acid so important? The uh, folic acid is essential to prevent uh, uh, spina bifida. There is also an issue with some people that the, the regular folic acid doesn't suit them. So there is there are different types as well. And if you were taking folic acid, a folic acid supplement every day for two weeks and then you didn't take it for a few days, that actually does matter because your it, it, your body flushes it out regularly, doesn't it? It's using it up. It's used in the gut and your gut cells are created every 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 five days. Your whole gut is, uh, cells are actually replaced. So any cell that's actually being created needs folic acid as part of the production. Again, the Lego blocks are their building blocks for it. So it's needed essentially. So again, it'll slow down the production of things if you don't actually have the raw materials. So that's it's essential. And you mentioned then about vitamin C. There's like a relationship there with the vitamin C and the folic acid. So I can remember being told about the orange juice, to take the orange juice with the, the folic acid. Similar to the iron, so it just helps with the absorption of it as well too. So your iron uh, and your, your will, will, will be beneficial to take it with vitamin C. So it's part of this uh, combination of, of creating the new cells. It's, it's all kind of a little uh, jigsaw puzzle. All these little pieces fit in together, so they're all essential. And there's a few things then that should be avoided 
uh, not too much tuna fish because of mercury. Mercury again, this is important to avoid. Again, there there a lot of the we, we do need fish and essential fatty acids, but the mercury uh, they're linking in with with problems with uh, detoxification as well too. So there's an awful lot of increase in in autism and different problems. So again, there's no clear link again, but it is uh, it's wiser to cut down your your intake of it as well too. And did you mention liver there, that you could have with liver if it was very well done? Well done, exactly, uh, just to, to prevent food poisoning or anything, but it's a fantastic source of iron. Uh, CoQ10, which is great for the heart as well too, so for energy that you need, uh, liver is a great source for that, any of these organ meats. But does it have a vitamin that... It can be damaging to pregnancy. Polar bear meat, polar bear liver, they, there was uh, toxicity with that for very high um, sources of vitamin A. Uh, and there was an issue with that, but uh, usually not polar bear liver. That way. <laughs> yeah. Never come across No, polar no, no, bear it's not. Liver. There, was, there was guys in the Antarctic and this is what they were they were eating. But it was, uh, this was a different issue as well too. Vitamin A uh, can be a concern. It can, vit- most vitamins are used up and depleted uh, but some of them are fat soluble and stay in the body so vitamin A is one of those that it can actually build up some other ones are used up so again some people can be deficient in vitamin A can be linked in with the thyroid but some people can have high quantities and again it can be linked in with the pill if somebody's on it it can concentrate the quantities of the, the vitamin A in the liver so everyone's an individual so it's 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 hard to kind of um, generalise on something like that as well too but uh, if somebody's iron is quite low the liver will help to bring that back up again. And if somebody's vegetarian, it's it's more difficult for them to get some of those vitamins that other people would get in meat and fish say it can be b12 is another one that's that's essential for for creation of new cells as well so this will be uh very difficult to get it's mostly in, in meats but again sometimes spirulina would be a source of it which would be for uh for that some forms of mushrooms but it's it's quite difficult to get that so again doctors can give injections of b12 if somebody's deficient but it is something that the doctors would would usually check into with b12 and Sinead, you have lots of this information on your website my website is food for life Ie. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. So no excuses for producer Geraldine, who's pregnant at the moment when it comes to diet, thanks to Sinead Dundon, Fit for Life. Still to come tonight, Sinead from the Organic College in Drumcolliher will be here to give advice about we can still be planting in the garden and Geraldine's report from the kingdom. Next, so I have a piece on art to share with you. When I was at Taste of Dublin in June, I came across some interesting pieces of art at an exhibition called The Bite Project. I got the chance to talk to food stylist and chef Johan van Merve about it and he also told me about his supper clubs in Kerry. Let's have a listen. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Johan, yourself and photographer Eugene Langen have an exhibition here at Taste of Dublin called The Bite Project. Tell me about that. Um, it came about with uh, me and Eugene kind of wanting to photograph people, very close-up shots of people eating and um, the, the logical path to that was actually to photograph people that are kind of involved in the food scene. Um, so it's kind of a collection of, of people we kind of admire, people people we think do really amazing work for food. Um, so yeah, we just kind of had a lot of fun. Um, we teamed up with uh, makeup artist Brian Ward. Did you have any problem getting people to take part? Um, most, on, on the whole, most people were really just yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you an hour and a half. Um, it's great fun, actually. I actually had to, actually had to rush um, Eugene and Brian because they were just 
so chatty and just couldn't stop talking and I'm like come on we've got more people coming we have to get through this so I was kind of pushing them and they were just having the best, best social of their lives <laughs> and where is it going to be on view after Taste of Dublin um, we're looking for um, for space um, we haven't really decided so if anybody's interested in having this beautiful collection of 30 30 images we're, we're open for um, I think it'll hang beautifully anywhere that's food related um, so we'd love to exhibit it a bit longer, but you couldn't get a get better spot than Taste of Dublin to exhibit. It is just, it's the foodie, foodie mecca of Dublin. So Tell <laughs> me about the supper clubs. Yeah, so they'll be uh, Friday, Saturday nights. Um, it's, a, it's a set menu, uh, 35 euros, which is a bargain. And we do about four courses on that. We kind of open it up with like a, a little canapé, some drink, or um, like a like a prosecco cocktail, and then we just follow on through. And I mostly um, cook fish um, because it's so fresh. I get it off Balance Galax Pier. Um, I also have a guy Pordy that does um, Balance Galax duck, and he started doing chickens. And it's to be honest with you, it is a chef's dream. It's like. And quite often the the um, they'd be like, "What's on the menu tonight?" And I was like, "It depends on what I pick in ten minutes." <laughs> so it's just it's brilliant. I just absolutely adore it. And where can people get more information about the supper club? My website is um, foodstyle.ie. I'm a food stylist as well. Are so. you based in Dublin full time? Yeah. So you, you make the spin down to Kerry, especially for it's these only supper five clubs. Hours. <laughs> it's only five hours, yeah, and but the roads are all it is now, yeah. No, but it, and it, no matter how, how you do it, it's always five hours. <laughs> but that's that's a great thing about Kerry. You actually you get away, you know, it's like it's yeah, no, I actually get in goosebumps. I absolutely adore the place. I'm going down on Wednesday, so I'm it's almost like going home, you know? So no, I love Kerry. Well we wish you all the best. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you've just joined us, we heard earlier from nutritionist Sinead Dundon, Fit for Life, about what your diet should consist of when pregnant. And just before the break, food stylist and chef Johan van der Merve was talking about an art exhibition called The Bite Project and his supper clubs in Kerry. Still to come tonight, I'll be talking to another Sinead, this one from the Organic Farm in Drumcolliher. But before that, it's Geraldine's final slot for Best Possible Taste. So let's head to Tralee, where she met John Drummy and talked about what the roses dine on. Now, Geraldine O'Sullivan brings you some tasty treats from the kingdom. A big event on the festival calendar during the year is the Rose of Tralee. It's running this year from the 15th to the 19th of August, and we're joined now by John Drummy who's communications manager for the festival. We're going to take a look behind the scenes at the catering for the festival. Welcome, John. Thank you, Geraldine. Firstly, how are general preparations going for the festival? Uh, going very well. We've been preparing for this uh, festival in August since last September. As soon as Haley O'Sullivan was announced as the Rosa Tralee, we uh, dusted ourselves off and started planning ahead to this year's event. 
Uh, of course, we had to we have to build on the success of last year, which also had two extra days for the gathering. So, we have a, an action-packed program of events, both in in the dome and in the around the streets of Tralee between uh, Union J concert and Nathan Carter concerts, and we've also Derek Ryan. We've walking on cars. Um, We've friends in low places, and our, our license has been granted as well. We're delighted to say, unlike sadly other concerts around the around the country. So um, we have a Garth Brooks tribute act who will be performing in for, for free in the streets of Tralee. We've the Kerryman Irish uh, the Kerryman Fashion Show is on the Sunday of the festival. We've um, the Kerry Gold Rose Ball, which is a big glitzy glamour event, and of course the two selection nights on Monday and Tuesday. So there's, there's plenty happening from the fifteenth to the nineteenth. Lots happening. And you mentioned the Rose Ball there. Can you tell us a little bit about that in terms of the size and the occasion itself? Uh, the, the Rose Ball, even just to go back a little bit on it, traditionally is um, is, the, is the big gala event. It's the real fairy tale event for the festival, uh, aside from the, the parade. Uh, it's, it's a paid event and traditionally has been held in the Dome, going back as far as I can remember, even when the, the Dome was in a different location. And it is the social event of the year uh, in Kerry and probably in Munster. We have the Roses, the Escorts, we have the presenter, Dahi O'Shea. Uh, we would have a lot of celebrities. Some we can announce, others we can't. Um, so something to look forward to there. But we'll have about 800 people uh, sitting down to a, a five-course banquet meal with uh, entertainment uh, throughout the evening as well. So it's quite an undertaking. It's in the Dome. So a lot of people who are listening to this might only be familiar with seeing the inside of the Dome during the TV selection nights when you've got theatre-style seating. But even if you want to go onto the Rose of Tralee website and do a search for the, the Rose Ball, you'll see how different it is. It's like uh, it's almost like the Oscars set out for a meal, the, mm-hmm. just the, the, the star the star cloth and the lighting and the, the cutlery and the candelabra um, centrepieces on the table. So it's it's quite a, a remarkable event. And with 800 people, last year it was 1,200 people. Uh, it's it's quite an undertaking to put on. Wow. And in terms of staff numbers then to support that? Yeah, the, the ball is, um, the catering for the ball is done by uh, Brook Catering, who are a very reputable company based in Cork. And they've been working with us for, for the past number of years, so very familiar with it and know how to have their staffing just right. Between, I suppose, kitchen staff, preparation staff, serving staff, bar staff and festival team staff and, and volunteers, we'd probably have about 80 people working in and around the dome on that particular night and then it, you have to allow for the fact that we'll have a Nathan Carter concert the night before so there's a around the clock turnaround on the Thursday into Friday to turn it from a concert venue into a ball setting and then turn it back around again for Saturday when there'll be a teen disco uh, in, in memory of Donald Walsh so if you include all of them you'd have 80 people so it's it's some number of people. And can you give us a sneak review into I, the menu? Absolutely. And you know what? We had a sneak preview recently. We had a tasting um, and it was quite spectacular. I, I, I It was a bit like MasterChef. I, I had uh, <laughs> two main courses. Uh, well, a bit of one and, and a lot of another. The starter is a warm tar- tartlet with Clonakilty black pudding, baby leek and tomato fondue, glazed with Gruyere cheese, sweet red pepper, coulis and dressed rocket leaves. There is a green apple sorbet finished with mint salsa, 
Then the main courses, we have um, the roast prime sirloin of Irish beef with a red wine and tarragon mushroom juice and herb roasted baby potato. That's what I had at the at the tasting. But I also sampled the pan roasted fillet of salmon topped with dingle bay prawns, citrus and herb crust. And it's served with Kerrygold um, Beer Blanc. Uh, my French isn't great and Kerrygold are sponsoring the Rose Ball this year and they'll be served with uh, garlic and herb potato gratin roasted root vegetables tossed in Kerrygold butter honey and thyme and so I mentioned to somebody what the dessert was and I was told oh we had that before but I think it's Brook Catering's signature dish it's the the Brook Malteser and Bailey's Cheesecake which is mm. in the words of Homer Simpson it's <laughs> um, served with butterscotch sauce and creme anglaise and then there'll be a Kerrygold cheese board as well and freshly brewed tea or coffee so it is quite a quite a vast menu but the fact that they can serve it hot to 800 people is quite a feat it's some undertaking yeah, and it, is. it sounds delicious so yeah. I'm sure we're all looking forward to that now, the roses arrive over, obviously, before the, the nights that we see them on TV and they travel around the county and the country. And um, Tell us what type of meal plan there is for them during their stay. Yeah, the roses will arrive in Ireland, those who are travelling from overseas. And we'll all meet in Dublin at the Maldron Hotel in Talla. Maldron are our new hotel uh, partners for this year. Um, we'll arrive, we'll just have a, have a light buffet at the hotel. Um, don't exactly know what's on the menu for that yet but it'll be I suppose it'll be some salad and maybe rice and and cream chicken then we will go out to Newbridge Silverware they always put on a lovely uh, meal for the roses after their style event there's a style event in Newbridge Silverware who are our lead sponsors that's on Sunday the 10th of August so there'll be a three course uh, buffet and then sit down then on the Monday hotel it'll be bed and breakfast in every hotel we stay on Monday there will be a hotel lunch in, in the Maldron Hotel again it will be a buffet style lunch and the evening in the Maldron will be a banquet event that the Maldron are hosting for their own corporate clients and the Roses are are, are kind of hosting it with them um, then we have um, on the Tuesday after our uh, press photo call with RTE that's out of Dublin airport we will be travelling to Strokestown Famine Museum um, and there'll be a, a lunch put on there, uh, courtesy of, of Strokestown Park. On we go to Lochrin Castle on the Tuesday evening for dinner, um, which will be a light dinner and, and some informal entertainment. Uh, they have an action-packed day on the Wednesday, which will following breakfast in the hotel. There's a press conference, there's an outside broadcast with Shannon Side Radio, there's um, a tour of the gardens, then they'll go by um, cruise uh, barge down the Shannon to Carrick and Shannon. Uh, Leash Tourism and Leash County Council will host a lunch there. Then there's dinner that evening in the Lockering Castle on Thursday, amazing I can remember all of this and I'm not reading it, <laughs> on Thursday um, we leave um, Leitrim and head down to Limerick via Athlone so there'll be a lunch in the Radisson Hotel in Athlone uh, the Roses will meet the escorts on Thursday evening in the Maldron Hotel in Limerick for what we call a mix and mingle event so it's, it's a, it's, it's a three course meal but it's, um, it's very informal in the sense that the escorts move around from table to table it's not speed dating because, it's, it's because a, a, lot of, a lot of our roses have, are in relationships as are maybe some of our escorts but they, they don't know you see until Friday who they're paired with so right. 
So it's a kind of a leave you guessing type idea. And they get to know each other because they all become a big group of friends at the end of the day. So um, so there's a nice meal in, in the Maldron and it's our first time eating there this year. And then Friday, it's um, on to Tralee after breakfast. There'll be lunch at the Tralee Bay Wetlands hosted by Kerry County Council. And then they arrive at Fells Point Hotel and then we're into the dome. So I would be expecting that most, most places where we stay will be serving Irish um, locally sourced produce as, as would be the case in most places in Tralee. So um, we, we look forward to supporting them and we appreciate their hospitality because without the hospitality, we wouldn't be able to do the Rose Tour. Yeah, it sounds like a fairly full-on uh, It's a lot. It's to mind the voices for the roses as well because it's uh, 32 ladies all in the one place. There's quite a lot of chat going on. <laughs> <laughs> And is there a specific catering for the other, say, third-party teams that are involved in the festival, like the TV crews and yeah. the uh, workers? RT, to the best of my knowledge, look after themselves, and uh, they, they organise their own their own catering. As far as our team are concerned, we'll say around the hotel, we would have, uh, have uh, I suppose, uh, an agreement in place with the hotel, so we, we feed ourselves when we need to feed ourselves. Uh, the volunteers around town in the who are working on the street carnival um, thanks to the sponsorship and support of various local eating establishments we would get vouchers or we would get discounts off of meals so they're all encouraged to eat locally and uh, to eat well when whenever possible so I suppose an opportunity to thank the, the local restaurants and cafes for, for helping us out with that so uh, everybody is is fed and watered uh, a lot of the time it's their, everyone's own responsibility to make sure they they do it Mm-hmm. because it's it's such a it's such a busy event and in terms of uh, the celebrity MCs that have hosted the event over the years have you heard of any unusual requests uh, apart from from Dahi being a cannibal and um, and uh, Ray Darcy being a herbivore I, no there is no I'm only joking um, no we haven't had any special requests we might get some dietary requests from roses all right or indeed the escorts I suppose we're more aware now of celiac disease and, and all of that so sometimes there are requests from the roses the presenters no they're they're not devos at all they no, they that's disappointing they, yeah they, sorry no story there they, they muck in with everyone else uh, Ray Darcy I know when Ray presented the Rose of Tralee he did it for five years um, and started a, started a family in the in, in the middle of all of that so um, instead of staying in the hotel he then started to maybe self-cater with uh, with Jenny and, and, and the one child as it was Kate at the time so uh, that that would be the only thing. Going back to Gay Byrne or Derek Davis or Marty Whelan uh, or even Terry Wogan, Brendan O'Reilly, Kevin Hilton, I, I can't think of anything or, or we haven't heard any stories anyway. So Very good. And there is also a food and craft market on during the festival. Yeah, that that has been growing over the past number of years. It, it was originally... I suppose run by the by Tralee Town Council, the the former town council, in partnership with us. But it's something that we've slowly taken ownership of. I suppose taken responsibility for it, and it takes the pressure off the council who who are so busy trying to organise, making sure the town is looking its best for the for the full few days. Um, and it's it's a very it's a high upmarket in terms of quality. You've got artisan foods. You've got local craft uh, makers. Um, so it's it's very tasteful, it's very good, and at the same time, that's all down Denny Street, and then at the same time, the traditional local Tralee Farmers Market continues on the Saturday, as as always, from half past ten, uh, half past ten until half past two, I think, is the is the time that that is. So you can get all your local produce there as well. It all sounds great. So there's really is an awful lot on for all different age groups, really, from you know kids to teens to adults. 
so yeah. it's a it's a, it's a great festival and, and just in terms of tastes uh, Tralee Town Council or Tralee Chamber Alliance recently produced a, a 40 page uh, Eat Dining in Tralee booklet so we'd be encouraging people to pick that up because they'll see a lot of the choice and prices and opening hours for, for the various establishments I know lots of places will be open longer during the festival but by just that little booklet it's a small little booklet that'll fit in your pocket or fit in your handbag and uh, you'd be amazed with the amount of choice that there is in Tralee Sounds good. And in terms of getting more information about the festival and for buying tickets, where can people go? Yeah, the website rulesoftrilly.ie is uh, is kept up to date as best possible. A lot of things changing. We would have maybe 80,000 visitors to the website in the month of August alone. So rulesoftrilly.ie. Keep become a fan on Facebook we've we've over 28,000 fans on Facebook and there's regular updates as to what's happening and also Twitter which is at Rose of Tralee underscore or just use the hashtag Rose of Tralee and um, everything you need is there our festival program of events our, our coloured brochure will be um, out from the August Bank Holiday weekend onwards that's 44 pages with all the entertainment in it and all the roses and all details of everything that's going on and that will also be available to download from the website from uh, the 3rd of August. Great, that's perfect. Thank you very much, John Drummy. We're all looking forward to the festival and best of luck to all the roses. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleite. Thanks to Geraldine for keeping us up to date with the culinary happenings in Kerry and sure she might make another appearance next week for the last time. I am delighted to confirm that we will be keeping Kerry very much in the spotlight whenever um, Geraldine's finished. Thanks to Karen Coakley of Kenmare Foodies. Karen is going to call in every month to keep us abreast of all the culinary news in Kerry and maybe a bit further afield and we look forward to welcoming her to the best possible taste. Back to West Limerick now and we're moving closer to home thanks to Sinead from the Organic College in Drumcolliher who is here with tips and advice about growing your own food. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sinead, some people might think it's too late in the year now to actually start planting in the garden for food that you can have later on in the year. But that's not actually the case, is it? No, there's still quite a lot of things that can be planted. Um, things like salad can be planted all through the season, all through the year, really. It, you know, it's things like lettuce, rocket, all those kind of nice salad leaves, they grow all year round. So you can plant them at any time. So there's still plenty of time to plant those. You'd also make a second sowing now of a lot of crops, you know, even carrots, uh, not main crop carrots that you'd be storing, but, you know, the, the carrots that you'd pull and eat straight away, the ones you see in the shops with the green still on them. You could still make a sowing of those and even peas. So there's quite a lot of things that can still go in at this time of year. You said they're main crop carrots. What time of the year would you put those into the ground? Um, they'd usually go in kind of April, May, that time, and they need to be in the ground quite a while. And they're the ones that would be harvested in the autumn and go into store to have through the winter. Whereas the summer carrots are the ones that you pull right through the summer and use with, you know, and have with the greens on, that kind of okay, So they're And they, they're more like a salad type carrot then? No, well, no, they're, a, they're, a, they're a, full, a full carrot. But, you know, in the shops, when you see them with the green still on, they're summer carrots. Okay. I'm learning so much here. My father would be so proud, the green grocer that he is. So if somebody wanted to actually grow lettuce now, what do they need to do? Is it seeds? Seeds, yeah. Okay. So we get our seeds and we get little trays. What do we need to do next? Um, You can sow them in trays. You could direct sow them into a container. You know, um, 
I suppose people sometimes don't realise that things like salads will grow quite well in a window box or a container. They don't need, you know, a lot of ground. They don't need big digging or anything like that because they have quite shallow roots. So just you could sprinkle seeds. You'd often get a pack of mixed seeds, you know, a mixed salad leaf that would have everything you'd want, really, from the point of view of salad. And you could just direct seed them into a, into a container or you could sow into a tray or a module tray. And when they've germinated and put on a few leaves, then you could transplant out into your final planting place. So there's no need for the hot press or anything like that, because I've come across friends in the past that you open the hot press to get the tile and there's these seed trays sitting. Yeah. That's re- usually earlier in the season, you know, early in spring when you're trying, you need a bit of extra heat. The hot press is the perfect place for germinating seeds. But at this time of year, the temperatures are there. You don't need any extra heat. Um, you, you know, you could just put them on a sunny windowsill or something. But even just outside at this stage, the, the fairly high temperatures, things will germinate very quickly. And of course, you're talking about window boxes there and garden pots, which are perfect for the salads and just go out then and snip off what you need, use it that evening and keep looking after it. Is there a lot of maintenance with them? No, there isn't. And most of those, a lot of those kind of salads um, are what we call cut and come. So you just take leaves off them and they keep producing more. So you don't need a huge amount of plants to keep you going through the season because you can keep cropping off the same plants. So all the things like a lot of the nice curly lettuces, lala rocket, mustard, all those kind of nice salad mixes that we see, uh, they're all cut and come and they'll just keep producing for you. The more you pick, the more they produce. And what can you do if you have a problem with pests, maybe flies and... Um, and things like that? Well, I suppose with salad, slugs is always the big one. They seem to quite enjoy munching on your salads and when they're in the ground very often it can be an issue. This summer again we've had such dry conditions and a lot of sun, slugs aren't as big an issue as you know in wetter years but again you just have to keep an eye I suppose keep a watch out um, use barriers you know things that you can put around the plants that, that sort of prevent the slugs coming in or things that will draw them away you know a lot of people like to use the beer traps um, which is basically a bit of beer in the bottom of something like um, a yogurt carton or something. Um, Of course, you have to deal with the sludgy mess of dead slugs afterwards, which isn't what everybody likes either. But um, there's lots of things. Uh, There's... um, a thing called seaweed dust which is dried seaweed which is used as a fertilizer and as a feed but it's salty so if you put that around where you're planting you know your salads or whatever um, it it acts as a deterrent the slugs don't like the saltiness so it just kind of keeps them off and it will feed the soil as well. You talked there about the fine weather so is there a need for more watering do people need to be more attentive to their crops at the moment? There is. I mean, now we've had a nice bit of rain, I suppose, over the weekend, but in the dry conditions, you'd be surprised how quickly the soil dries out. And particularly if you're growing anything in a container, it dries out really quickly. So you do need to keep an eye on the watering. Um, I've noticed some of the crops, even potatoes, because it was June was so dry, they actually are quite a bit behind, you know, not, not as far ahead in growth as they should be because, of course, the tubers need plenty of water to swell so it is important to keep an eye you know we spend so much time in the winter with the ground so wet and then all of a sudden we have a few weeks of dry and we're at the other end of the scale so you do need to keep an eye and just maybe kind of top up or give a little bit of water to plants 
So if you're going away, make sure one of the neighbours has taken on that job for you. Definitely, and particularly if you're growing anything in a container because it will dry out really, really quickly. Yeah, because I think there is this misconception that because we do have a lot of rain in Ireland and if we do have a night where there's a lot of rain, well, that's fine. Nothing needs watered for a few days. But as you say, at the moment, it has been so nice yeah. that it's something that people need to keep an eye yeah, out for. And it was actually quite windy as well. There was quite a bit of wind last week and the wind, of course, dries everything out. So between that and the heat, you know, the ground has got very, very dry. I would imagine there's a lot of people interested in tomatoes at this time of the year, but it's too late to start growing them. Uh, it is, yeah. At this stage, the tomatoes are just coming in now. They are a little bit late this year, but they are starting to come along now and so there, it is much too late to start to planting but the you know if you have planted them they should be coming on and I suppose the thing to remember is to keep uh, pinching out those uh, side shoots that little shoot that comes out between the main stem and the side leaf because um, it takes a lot of the energy and at this stage most of the plants should have plenty of trusses of flowers on and actual fruit so you can pinch out the, t- the top if you want you don't want them to get very much larger um, and keep water them. Watering is very important for tomatoes. They really don't like to dry out. It's what causes the fruit to split as well um, and maybe even a little bit of a feed every week or two. And I'd say they love the sun. Of course they do, yeah. And it, the sun has a big effect. The, those two bad summers we had really affected the taste of tomatoes. You don't get the sweetness when you don't have the really good sun. So at this stage now, the sh- you know, all the fruit should be starting to redden up and getting really nice and sweet, particularly the cherry tomatoes. And it must be lovely to pick those on a nice sunny day whenever they're ripe and just take them in and they go straight into the salad, like none of this storing them in the fridge, which actually affects the flavour. Of course it does. They don't, the fridge doesn't um, improve the flavour at all. Um, and it is, you know, it's it's great to just pick and eat straight away and I mean I think everybody has that taste of Irish tomatoes or homegrown tomatoes which is totally different to tomatoes that you get in you know in the winter that have been imported from Holland or wherever Um, and I know a lot of people particularly with the cherry tomatoes when you give them like a bag of cherry tomatoes they never even get to the plate they just start popping them like sweets you know because they really are sweet. And strawberries then what stage are we at strawberries? They're kind of Nearly, nearly at the end of their season and it was a great year for fruit because again we had the sun in June and it was a fabulous year for fruit but strawberries are nearing the end of their season now they're kind of petering out uh, there would be a few varieties that would continue on a little bit you know towards the end of July but it's almost the end of that season but blackcurrants are still going strong um, and uh, raspberries are still going strong and I suppose things like red currants are still there as well but uh, the strawberries and the gooseberries as well are kind of nearly at the end of their season and once they're at the end of their season and you've picked all the fruit off what should you do with what's left um, give them a good haircut really you know just go in and chop back the leaves so that you encourage new growth which is what will sit then for the winter and keep the plant if you want to propagate strawberries because they're really easy to propagate because they, pr- they produce runners these little stems that come out and produce a new plant it, they, they'll start doing that now once the fruiting stops and that, this is the time to propagate from them if you want to propagate but if you don't cut all those runners off because they're taken from the plant and just keep your plant um, to, to grow on and stay again in the ground over winter for next year's crop. And is there anything that you should do to protect 
protect them over the winter if we had a hard frost, for example? No, they're very hardy. They don't need anything. Once you give them a cut back now and let them produce new growth, that growth will sit over the winter and protect the crown of the plant. And then in, in spring, they're off again into new growth. So there's really nothing much to be done with strawberries. Once they finish fruiting, you're fine. Well, as a, a lecturer at the Organic College in Drumcolaher, you obviously have a wealth of, of knowledge to impart to people and there'll be courses starting in September. Yes, our courses start again in September, the middle of September. Um, we're still accepting um, applications from people um, and it runs right through from September to the end of May and then the students work through the summer as well, not full time, but they come in um, over the summer because most of the learning is happening in the summer when all the crops are coming on. Um, and the that's the... I suppose the, the, the main part of the, the season, you know, is, is in June and July and August. But our new students start again in September. And what do people have to have? Do they have to have any specific qualifications to enrol? No, just an interest in growing and I suppose growing organically and growing uh, fruit and vegetables. That's really all you need uh, to, to come on the course. And all the details are on organiccollege.com. Yep, on the website, all the details are there. Shania, thanks so much for coming in and we look forward to talking, you again, talking to you again in the near future. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Sinead from the Organic Farm and Drum Collar. However, if you're more of an eating out sort of person, our newest contributor to the programme, Rachel Keeley, has a treat in store for you. Rachel has many favourite things, but two of them are writing and food. She, co- she has combined the two into being one of Food & Wine magazine's food critics and I'm thrilled that she's going to pay me a visit to the studio on a regular basis with her reviews of some of her favourite restaurants. Tonight she makes her debut on Best Possible Taste and where better to start than 1826 Adair which just happened to be reviewed by Gillian Nellis in the Sunday Business Post a couple of weeks ago. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Rachel, welcome to the Best Possible Taste. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Sharon. Thanks so much for having me here. We're very much looking forward to these regular reviews that you're going to do for us on all these eating establishments throughout Ireland. But we're going to start tonight in West Limerick at the lovely Adair 1826. Yes, yes, the lovely 1826 is right. Um, I get asked regularly, um, because I do restaurant reviews monthly for Food & Wine magazine, I get asked all the time, what do you recommend? What's your favourite restaurants? Um, And really, for the last year or so, it's been, or I suppose eight, eight months or so since they opened, Number one on my list has been 1826 Adair. Um, I was very impressed with it. I went at Christmas time, um, so it really lent itself to the sort of Christmas environment, being a nice, small, traditional cottage um, with lovely sort of family welcome. It's run by husband and wife owners. um, And yes, so very impressed and, and lovely to be able to open up with something so close to home in West Limerick. And Chef Wade Murphy mm-hmm. and Elaine are the owners, as you say, and... Wade has been on the programme here and he's very much into the whole using local produce. Mm -hmm. Did you find whenever you were there that the menu was very seasonal? Oh, very much so. For example, on the night in question, we had game, um, which was lovely to be able to, I suppose, taste and also to be able to um, enjoy it at the time of year that really lends itself. It was all sort of 
lovely fire lit in the corner and dark outside and we had pigeon and we had venison and it was a proper sort of country um, menu for want of a better word but also was all locally sourced and we to know that sort of the the meat you were enjoying was raised nearby um, and sourced nearby makes it all the more enjoyable absolutely so for starters what did you have um, for starters, well, I actually had sort of, again, because of the time of year, um, I went for a mushroom soup, which is probably one of the most simple dishes, but sometimes that's the best way to test a restaurant to see how they do the traditional, the average, the sort of normal um and some would say not very taxing dishes, uh, but uh, Chef Wade Murphy made it rather taxing. He used locally sourced mushrooms, a variety of mushrooms, um, and the, the depth of flavour came through immediately. You could tell straight away that this wasn't an ordinary packet soup from Noor, something quite, quite different. Um, and actually, I was very happy. I initially, when my companion, my, I went to my mum, actually, when she was served, she had the scallops in with brown bread, which were stunning and I had immediate plate envy and wanted her dish but uh, as I worked my way through the mushroom soup I was I was content with my choice. I'm at that stage now where I nearly let himself choose for me because I always seem to choose the wrong thing and go drat. You I want his plate yes, yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't like, like to share. <laughs> no my husband neither but he's happy to share mine so it's yeah <laughs> works out for of him. Of course yeah. <laughs> so that was the starters. What about mm-hmm. presentation? So d- Beautiful. Um, that sometimes that can be something that can lack slightly um, in restaurants, especially when they're quite new because they're so anxious to get the plate on the table quickly without fuss and to make sure that the food is good. Sometimes they can neglect um, to, to plate it very, very well. But that wasn't the case. I mean, that's probably to do with Chef Wade's background. Um, I believe he started out in the hotel business where presentation would be very, very important. So mum's starter of the um, the scallop, for example, was served in the scallop shell and with the smattering of brown bread on the top. And it was just, it was immaculate. It was beautiful. And the beauty was in the simplicity of it as well. It wasn't sort of drowned in um, herbs and spices on top. There was no kind of useless lettuce on the side just to add a little bit of green. It was just simple, well presented and, and matched the food, you know, and being sort of simple in its taste. And the mushroom soup? Um, well, mushroom soup can sometimes be the ugly duckling of dishes. It's hard to make sort of a slightly grey soup look look good, but they managed it. Um, the, the variety of mushrooms, I think, came through. It wasn't just one thin colour. Um, it, it sort of looked like uh, like it had come from a field, which it had, you know. It had a little bit of green on top, but also had the um, variety of darker and lighter mushrooms inside. And it was blended quite roughly as well, so you could really taste the individual vegetables, which is nice. And moving on to main courses then. Yes, the the game. It was a real treat. Um, my mum ordered the venison, which was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, venison is one of those dishes that um, done well is just, I think the word I used in the review is spellbinding. And, and that sort of still applies, to be honest. Um, done not so well, it can be slightly tougher meat um, and that wasn't the case here it was absolutely perfect served very simply with a jus um, I believe it was a cherry and blackcurrant jus and uh, that's all it needed the, the meat was so fine it needed very very little else um, I had pigeon which uh, was very different I kind of went for it just to try something different I've had it a couple of times before but um, 
I was I was eager to kind of remind myself as to what it tasted like. Uh, I found it a little bit more rough and ready. It is game after all. Um, is it a bit like liver? Um, Some people have said that. Yeah, it's possibly. It's it's a little bit. It's certainly very earthy. Um, in the same way that liver is, I found it um a little bit stringy, a little bit chewy. That wasn't the cooking. I think I think it's the meat more than anything else. So it was presented very very well. Um, but what they did was very smart because it's naturally quite a dry dish. It's difficult to to cook it without drying out. They added um quite a few extras, like they had shredded leg, they had ballyhura mushrooms, um, they had uh, I think there was. A, various different beans as well inside as well so it became almost like a stew um, or or sort of like a cassoulet early which was lovely so it was a very sort of traditional approach to a traditional dish um, or to, to a traditional ingredient rather and um, which worked very very well and any sides with that um, mother's dish. I think we had uh, some potatoes, uh, which would be the obvious choice, I suppose, with dishes like that. Um, I think if I remember correctly, there were sautéed potatoes. Okay. My mum had a side salad, a garden salad, because she was trying to be good for her Christmas dresses. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then did you indulge in dessert? Never mind the Christmas dress. We did, <laughs> yes. At that point, the diets went absolutely out the window. Um, and I had, uh, because I had been enjoying a really nice glass of Merlot, the wine was actually beautiful. So I decided to to um, have an excuse for a second glass so I ordered the cheese board um, which was lovely and again back back to the local provenance you're speaking about all the cheese was locally sourced uh, it was a nice variety of Irish cheeses as well sometimes I find that cheese boards um, maybe just sort of three um, Tesco sourced uh, <laughs> cheeses but that wasn't the case at all here um, and again served beautifully on a lovely thick wooden board um, with fresh tart Granny Smith apple which is lovely actually really nice to sort of cleanse the palate in between the different types of cheeses and allowed me to enjoy each one better um, and then mum had um, a oh gosh it was a creme fraiche dish it has um, made with creme fraiche as opposed to full um, as opposed to full cream which was lovely she had the brulee um, with a mixed berry sorbet but again the, this kind of new approach by using creme fraiche instead of a full cream made it all the more enjoyable it was much lighter much more able to enjoy the, the taste of it as opposed to just getting bogged down in heavy dessert um, and it lent out uh, as well a very welcome sweetness because obviously the whole meal had been so much earthy meaty flavours this really lifted the whole thing for us and um, we ended up sharing I was going to ask <laughs> you that did you share it was yeah. that hot or cold it was cold it was cold yeah. but the top the top crackling beautifully yeah. yes okay. yeah, nicely lovely. browned it was a lovely very very nice dish um, and I think we finished off with a nice coffee and you mentioned Merlot there. You had a couple of glasses of Merlot. Did your mother have anything nice to drink? She didn't. Bless her, she was driving. Okay. Um, so no, uh, it was for me, it was actually a Chilean Merlot, Lantou Valley. Um, and at 6.50 a glass for a large, very generous pouring, I thought that was quite good very as well. Very good value. Yes, yeah, very exactly. Good value, yeah. Especially for a restaurant of that kind of calibre. The overall ambiance then of the evening, you mentioned there that the fire was going and mm. it was it was nice and cosy. Was there a number of people there tonight? A bit of a bit of a buzz to the place. There was absolutely. It was it was very much a lovely sort of um family Christmas conviviality um, with the with the, the fire going with sort of like the firelight flickering against the whitewashed walls and you know they have beautiful sort of small recessed windows and brown wood um, they've even a little spinning wheel above the door and things like that it all lent a beautiful traditional warm cosy atmosphere to the evening um, one that one that really worked well with the time of year and the sort of crisp evening outside it was lovely really really nice and how would you rate the service Service was excellent, can't fault it, despite the fact they're extremely busy. Um, I, I always sort of admire restaurants that can not only handle 
crowds, but handle them with a smile. Um, and that's what these guys did, despite being quite new. As I said, they weren't open all that long. Um, I believe it was um, one of the owners who served us. Um, and she was fantastic. She was so, so good, despite trying to keep an eye on a very, very busy restaurant. Um, and indeed, dealing with the kitchen as well, which isn't always easy too. So, no, it was lovely. Really friendly without being overbearing. It was lovely. And the bill then, what was the damage um, you remember? The damage, I can indeed. It wasn't actually bad. I mean, it, look, it's not going to be especially cheap for that kind of standard of food. Um, but we spent just short of €98 Euro on three courses uh, each and two glasses of wine for myself. So um wasn't bad considering the sort of expertise that was involved in cooking the food, you know. And it was a nice evening for you to have with your mum coming up to Christmas. It was lovely. Exactly. More importantly, yeah, very, very true. To spend together. And and only 20 minutes from Limerick City, you know, and and we went, I think, across the road for for a nice uh, nightcap as well. So, yeah, it was a lovely evening, as you say. Mm. It sounds like you highly recommend it. I do. And I have been ever since. Um, I'm sort of like a a town crier about it. Um, As I say, every time somebody asks me, where do you recommend in Limerick? Um, I have to say 1826. Well, you have your review up on your blog if you want to give out the website. I do indeed. It's um, ormkeely.com. So that's ORM for Mary, good Irish girl that I am, uh, K-E-A-L-Y.com or catch me on Twitter at, at ormkeely. Rachel, thanks so much for coming in tonight and we look forward to welcoming you back in the not-too-distant future. Thanks very much, Sharon. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Fantastic to have Rachel on board and she'll be back in four weeks with her next review. Until then, I'm happy to remind you of what's on this weekend in the world of food and drink. And of course, it's the weekend of the long-awaited Dua Festival and Barbecue this Saturday and Sunday. I spoke to John Relihan last week about the event and you'll have heard that John is one of T- Jamie Oliver's top chefs and originally from Dua. When he was home for the festival last year, he made a promise to return in 2014 to cook for the entire village and he is keeping to what he said. There's going to be lots of food over the weekend by all accounts. Cookery demos by John himself, Barbecue Joe's and Mark Doe from Just Cooking. Cookery competitions and lots of family fun. Check out doafestival.com and be sure to say hi as I'll be doing some emceeing on over the weekend. If you can't wait until the weekend for the cookery demo, I believe Rachel Allen is in Kerry on Thursday at the launch of a new restaurant. I think it's called The Heather in Moriarty's at the Gap of Dunlow. I don't have any more information on that, but I'm sure if you Google it, it will be there on the internet. Closer to home in Ballangari, the Bee Fest is taking place and there's a country and craft market there on Saturday. And on Sunday in Turnafula, there's a food and craft fair and family fun starting at two o'clock. Further up the country, Taste of Cavan is taking place. Highlights include the Irish Restaurant Awards Best Chef Nevin Maguire and Michelin star chef Richard Corrigan of the famed Corrigan's Mayfair in London. The No Salt Chef Brian McDermott, Clodagh McKenna and Rachel Allen will all be there as well. Lots of children's entertainment and details can be found on thisiscavan.ie. That's one of the many events taking place during the month of August that Helen McDade from Fulcher Ireland highlighted on the programme last week. If you'd like to hear that interview again, check out our podcast soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink 
show and you can have a listen. And as Helen advised, details of all the events she mentioned can be found at discoverireland.ie forward slash food. Please keep sending me details of your cookery demos, food courses, product launches and fundraisers to s.noonan at live.ie and I'll only be too delighted to give them a shout out here on the diary on Best Possible Taste. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. That's all we have time for this evening on The Best Possible Taste. Thanks very much for tuning in via traditional wireless or if you're further afield through tunein.com or the TuneIn app. As mentioned in the diary, we have a podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show if you missed any of the show tonight or maybe an older one. Thanks to tonight's guests, the two Sineads, Rachel and Johan. And it's a very sad good night for me because it's Geraldine's last show as she's off on well-deserved maternity leave. I have the tissues ready. <laughs> sniff, sniff. Geraldine has been producing the show since last October and has been a pleasure to work with. Her hard work and input into the format, as well as doing the Kingdom slot every week, has been a real asset, asset I should say. And I'd like to say thanks so much, Geraldine, and I'm going to miss you. I should also say thanks to your husband, Tommy, and your daughter, Eve, who put up with you travelling from Killarney every week to be here. Before you go, I have a little surprise for you. I got in touch with some of our guests and I have a few goodies for you to take home to enjoy. Tom Flavin from the Limerick Strand Hotel has sent in a host of secret ingredient jars. I've no idea what's in the bag. I didn't have a nose. Ron Forrestal gave me this presentation box of wine, obviously to store and enjoy when the time is right for you. Helen Cahill dropped in some cheese and Chad Byrne from the Brehan in Killarney has invited you and Tommy to visit the hotel for dinner and you can give me a shout if you need a babysitter. So the very best of luck and I know you'll be tuning in religiously every Tuesday. She's laughing now. So until next Tuesday, to all the listeners out there, enjoy your week and bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!